I think I've had so many conversations with people on my t team over the years where you do a big piece of analysis in order to make a, a big business decision, like whether we should invest in a certain channel in the coming year, something like that. And at the end of the meeting, they just go, oh, I don't feel, I don't feel like we've really reached any conclusion at all, despite having done all of these spreadsheets. And I'm like, yeah, I honestly think analytics never gives you the answer. It just gives you the ability to ask better questions. And I think if you approach it from that perspective, then it's more exciting than demotivating, which, you know, for people who just want to get to the hard and fast answer, it, that can be frustrating. Whereas I prefer to think about it as an exciting challenge. You're listening to Paris Talks Marketing. My goal with this podcast is to dig deeper into digital marketing success than any other marketing podcast out there, to reveal the growth marketing strategies and tactics that are working today, empowering growth at amazing companies and organizations. Keep listening as I interview founders, CEOs, and marketing leaders from all around the world, primarily from companies in the tech and software as a service industries. Now, on with the episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Paris Talks Marketing. And today I'm with Sarah Kiefer, who is the Chief Marketing Officer at Pitch. Previously, Sarah worked at Spotify, where she led the team that was responsible for marketing Spotify's advertising business globally. With a career focused on the intersection of storytelling, media, technology, and advertising, Sarah previously held leadership roles at Uyala, Discovery, That's right. <laughs> and Vivacom. Sarah received her MBA from Stanford School of Business and a BA in Modern Languages from Oxford University. Sarah, welcome to the show. Hi, Faris. Thanks so much for having me. My pleasure. I would love to start with this transition that you made fairly recently from Spotify and your role at Spotify into Pitch. And I noticed that in reading the bio, there is a theme of storytelling here. And I'd like to know from you and from your perspective, Spotify is, of course, an, it's all about audio and the audio experience, the listening experience. And now you're in the world of a visual experience and there's still audio behind presentations. Just tell us a little bit about that transition and how that's been for you. Yeah. So as you mentioned, I think storytelling has been the kind of red thread through my career. I've always been really interested in the business of storytelling, the technology behind storytelling, how you enable people to tell their stories, how you enable them to kind of make money and create impact from their stories. And at Spotify, I was at Spotify for about five years working in the advertising business. And when I joined, the advertising business was almost like a startup within Spotify. It was sort of, I think, around 10%, maybe even less of revenue. And that business just grew a huge amount over the time I was there. And obviously that's also when podcasting started to be big for Spotify. So we were really thinking about what role advertising played in Spotify's podcasting business. It was really, really exciting working with some of the top brands in the world to help them understand how to tell their stories through the medium of audio. And people think about advertising, they tend to think about those big TV advertising campaigns, right? They think about Super Bowl ads and things like that. But there was this huge opportunity for brands to tell their story in an audio medium, in this medium in which people are deeply immersed. And so that was a really, really fun challenge, helping explain that opportunity and frame that opportunity to those advertisers. 
But after five years, I felt like I needed a new challenge. And I've always been really interested in presentations. My career in marketing has always involved creating particularly sales presentations. I led the team at Spotify that was creating Spotify advertising's pitch decks, their sales decks that the sales team were using every day. And it's a really interesting form of storytelling. It's that combination of pictures and words and the presenter themselves. And you need to adapt how you create that presentation based on what the audience is interested in, how tailored it is to the audience, how general it is, how do you kind of catch their attention and then take them on a journey with with you to create that impact, right? Every presentation has an objective. You're trying to make a sale, you're trying to raise a round, you're trying to lead your team through a really compelling and useful and productive meeting. Um, presentations are this, this form of storytelling that touches almost every single thing we do in our work lives. But there are also this thing where the, the tools that were given to do that, to tell those stories, don't seem to be in sync with the way that we work today, with remote first working, with collaborative working, with the speed that we're expected to innovate and adapt and change and tailor our messaging. The tools we have at our disposal just aren't that exciting or inspiring. I think most people think about presentation tools almost like a like a kind of necessary evil it's kind of like oh yeah I write presentations but when you step back and think about the impact that presentations have on your business and on the success of your day-to-day work they're really central they're the way you, you tell your stories at work and I think there's a huge opportunity to improve that experience make it more joyful and ultimately empower people to achieve the impact they're trying to achieve with their stories. Can I ask you a couple of questions about Spotify before we move on? I'm very curious, and I don't know if you're able to answer all of them. So you were driving ad revenue at Spotify. I imagine that the primary revenue stream there is subscriptions. But how much of Spotify's revenue was was uh, advertising-based by the time you left? So they literally just released their quarterly revenue, which obviously I'm not there anymore. But I think it's now closer to 15%. So it's growing as a percentage of their revenue. And yeah, I'm really, really proud of the of the revenue growth that the team was able to, to drive over those five years that I was at Spotify. And I imagine since you were running enterprise sales, you were probably pitching some really big, big fish. Was there a particular tactic or approach that you took that made your presentations to those big enterprise prospects successful when you were pitching at Spotify? Yeah. I think there are different types of presentations, right? So we had sort of six to, I think it was six to maybe eight slide intro deck, which was really just introducing ourselves, setting out our stall, explaining how we're different from the other advertising platforms that these big advertisers are working with and just kind of peaking interest. And the goal with that is just to get the first meeting. So I think every time you're developing a presentation, you have to think really clearly, like, what's the definition of success for this presentation? And so that presentation, the definition of success was secure the first meeting. But then, then I think the best presentations are the ones that are responding to exactly what you've learned from the client. It's a, it's a truism that a salesperson you know, has two ears and one mouth and should use them in that ratio. And I, I think those were also some of the most useful sales materials we were creating was kind of questions, like question banks to arm the sales team to find that information that then would allow them to tailor these presentations. So we'd create this almost like grab bag of all of these different slides that they could use to pitch that particular client. And then they could pick and choose from those slides 
what they knew would resonate based on the problem that the client was the, the specific problem that the client was trying to solve because that that way the site the client feels feels heard and feels listened to i mean spotify's spotify's t- tagline is listening is everything and so you know how do you make people feel heard is by reflecting back to them what you've told them and tell almost telling their story back to them in a way that kind of leads to this natural conclusion of like okay therefore here here's our suggestion of how we can help you approach approach those challenges i, I want to do a little bit of myth busting because i have some common understandings of effective presentations that i've tried to use throughout my career one is that first you ought to tailor the presentation for whether it's going to be circulated internally and it should be something that people can circulate and therefore read or if you're presenting it live whether through a video call or or to a live audience you should keep the you should keep it a lot simpler because you want people to focus rather on your voice and what you're saying and not trying to multitask and read your slides at the same time and then the brain short circuits trying to do that. Am I right? Or should you consider, first of all, what happens to the slide deck, given the, the audience situation and what will happen to the slide deck after the presentation? I think you're completely right. And I think our new ways of working are layering on additional considerations as well. So not just the difference between a leave behind presentation and a presentation that you present live, whether that's in person or over Zoom. But then there's also this way of continuing to collaborate on the presentation after you've delivered it, however you deliver it. So this, and, and, and as well as how you build the presentation together, because I think it's actually relatively rare now that you build a presentation on your own. Building a presentation is a collaborative effort. You're getting feedback from different people. Even a pitch deck, it's a great opportunity as you're going out and giving these pitches, whether that's a sales pitch or you're trying to raise raise money from investors you're getting feedback from them all the time you're getting questions from the investors you're getting questions from clients and you'll want to continue to adjust and adapt your materials over time so it's not as if your presentation is this like static document that just sits there and that's it so that's where pitch is really thinking about how to create a presentation software that reflects that new way of working so you can assign slides to different people and track who's completed their slides and who hasn't. You can tag people in comments. You can create a version that you share with one particular investor and maybe a different version that you share with another investor, but they're all in a file and structured in an easy way. So you can view that. You can set editing and commenting and viewing permissions in a different way. You can see who has, you can see whether that investor has gone in and viewed the presentation. So I think you're completely right that it's really important to think about those different versions of a presentation and compare it. Uh, dependent on the use case and it's also really important to think about how you can make your presentations more of an interactive collaborative way of working and a living document that changes over time great sarah i'd like to transition now into some marketing topics and right away you all seem to be all in on product-led growth you have a free forever plan and then you've got an eight dollar per user per month plan and then it goes enterprise from there it's fairly simple and I've been playing around in the sandbox. It was very, very easy to, within about two minutes, I think I was building my first, working on my first slide from one of the templates. I want to understand how you all came to that decision to go with a freemium and to really go for product-led growth. Why did you choose product-led growth and not a more traditional SaaS route of let's onboard everyone into demo calls or something else with a high yeah. touch? 
I think this talks to the very DNA of the company and the hypothesis on which the company was built. So obviously all of I've only been at Pitch for about three months. Most of these decisions were made before I arrived, but Pitch has eight co-founders. It's quite an unusual situation, all of whom worked together previously. And so there's just this deep sense of teamwork and collaboration built into the very kind of DNA of the company. And this really strong hypothesis that presentations are a form of collaboration, like I was talking about, both in the creation and then in the way that they're interacted with and iterated on over time. And that's kind of really the thing that's missing from a lot of the existing tools. I mean, anyone who's experienced emailing back and forth versions of a keynote or PowerPoint doc will relate to this. You know, it's when you start to get to version 26 underscore one that you kind of want to kill yourself, right? So our definition of success is really get it, creating that opportunity for collaboration for teams. So most of our goals are around how many successful teams we have, like active and engaged teams we have on pitch rather than users. Because for us, that's the sweet spot we're going for. And if that's the case, then product-led growth is the inevitable and logical place that you would go. Because we're looking at, you know, you get that first user like yourself who then wants to share a presentation or collaborate on a presentation with somebody in their organization. And then they invite them and then they invite more people. And that's the natural way in which the tool. Yeah, there's a built-in virality component to it. Exactly. And I, I tend to think about growth coming from three major areas or dimensions, organic growth, paid media, growth through, through paid media, and then virality. Of those three, and I'm not sure if you you see it that way, but if we look at those three major growth levers, let's call them, how invested or or generally, how does it break out for pitch? How much of your current growth, user growth, comes from organic growth versus paid media growth versus this virality, which is naturally built into the product? Yeah. A lot comes from the virality that's built into the product, for sure. And spinning up those growth loops is really what we're aiming to do so we're looking for the other channels we're really looking at like which of how can we make those channels successful for kicking off those growth loops if a particular channel is successful at attracting one user but that user never ends up expanding that workspace then that's not that channel is not working for us the i think the other just maybe to break down like the organic piece is also seo is very very important for us particularly for the templates piece. So you mentioned that that was your way into the product, right? It was by finding a template and starting to adapt that for a use case that you had, you know, you had a presentation that you quite wanted to create for for your business. And so SEO is also a really important piece for us. And I, I think SEO sometimes is sometimes seen as like the unsexy part of marketing or the painting by maybe painting by numbers part of marketing. But the way I see it more is SEO is, people telling you what they're looking for, people telling you what problems they need you, they need you to solve. And so on a very practical level, we've got a lot of evidence from SEO of the types of presentation templates that people are looking for. So that's great. And that's obviously the conversion rate on that is obviously great because people are very willing to immediately jump into the product and start playing with the template, particularly because the, the product's free forever, as you mentioned. Um, but it's also really helping us with more editorial based SEO so developing guides and materials to help people create better 
presentations. I think the big, the big gorillas, the big incumbents, they're not necessarily creating a lot of materials around best practices and tips and tricks and useful tools for people to make better presentations. And I think that that's yeah, a huge it, opportunity. It's one, it's one product in a suite of products, so they don't really yes. invest in it as a brand. Yes, and yes. And help people do better with that particular tool. Yeah, but it's something people are crying out for. And almost everybody in the world who has a computer has probably created a presentation in their life. But how many of them have any understanding of what makes for a good presentation or different presentation use cases? So I think there's a huge opportunity for pitch to also become the authority in presentations more generally and for that to be a very successful a channel for us. So SEO is already working very well for us and we're yeah. really keen to I have a fun there. a fun fact to share with you because I was just glancing at some Ahrefs data. Mm-hmm. And you all rank number 7 for SEO report template and uh-huh. seem to be driving yeah, seem to be driving some, We're working uh, on <laughs> on going up for that, but yes. Yeah, yeah, I'm just as an example and just an ironic example that you all have a template for an SEO report and it's getting it's getting like a couple of hundred visits a month, and that, that's really cool. I think that templates you all are in a unique position to to really to use templates to absolutely drive the core of your content marketing, because first of all, the keyword research will tell you what templates people are looking for. You, you serve them those templates, and then around it, you just serve them all the advice for how to make that type of a presentation more effective, how to deliver it, how to collaborate better on it. And then you just have this endless stream of content opportunity around that. And I see it's working. I can see the organic, the organic traffic is booming. And, and that's really cool because I think you've got this combination of, you've got this comp- really an unfair advantage around the templates because that is your product. And then you have the virality aspect, which is that a presentation is always going to be shared with someone else. It's going to be shown to someone else and likely that land and expand type of a strategy is built in. And my next question then around this is, so you try to, let's say you find the person who could be influential to to land them, who could expand it. Who is that person typically? Is it somebody in marketing or sales? Is it somebody at a particular point? Are they they at the point of need where they have a presentation to deliver tomorrow? Or who is the person most likely to spread what you called it? I think the the loop of... um, what was the term you used? Uh, to kick off the growth loop, yeah. The growth loop, yeah. That, that's a great uh, That's a great expression. Who is the best person to trigger the growth loop in the organization? And are, do you have personas that you're really going after that do those things? Yeah. Yeah, we do. I think that's one of the, when I was first looking at the role of pitch, one of the things I was most intrigued by, because as I said, presentations are a tool that basically everyone uses, right? Everyone with a computer uses it. So the addressable market is kind of, dauntingly massive but as anyone will tell you when you first start out you need to find those more specific personas so you can target them more effectively and you're not trying to kind of eat an elephant as an organization and you're never going to be able to optimize the development of the product for like so many different types of use you've kind of kind of got to pick your first users um asana talks in a really interesting way about the idea of a free wedge like what's the use case into the organization what's typically the first use case and persona who will like get you in for the in for the free tier and then expand from there and for us that's very clearly leadership and commercial roles at startup and scale up businesses typically under about 250 people 
That's not to say that we don't have users outside of those personas. And we do. We have pockets of users also and growing within very large organizations that don't meet that definition whatsoever. But really, that's who we're optimizing for, because those are the people who are thinking about how they build this collaborative, scalable culture. They're thinking about ways of working effectively remotely. They're thinking about the importance of presentations. And for us, our most uh, effective up until now, free wedge, as it were, has been the investor fundraising presentation. So the pitch deck, right? So that's often the way that our kind of first customer comes in is that they are thinking, oh my goodness, I've, I've raised my seed and now I need to raise my series A. And that was so painful last time using Google Slides or whatever they were using. There must be a better way. And then they hear about pitch or maybe they come across somebody else's pitch deck. And that's the other piece with, we talked about the SEO opportunity with templates. We also have a presentation gallery in private beta. So we have a space where you can, discover other examples of great decks so a platform for people to see how other people are putting themselves out there and that's really inspiring for entrepreneurs who are thinking about pitching their business is to go in and read a whole bunch of pitch decks that were successful and learn from that and think about how to adapt those approaches for their own use case so I think that's also and that's something we're going to continue building on so there's this repository of like great materials and then from there people can immediately jump into creating their own version so that that was that has been our kind of big free wedge as it were like way into the product first use case for using the product and then people use it for other things as it gets adopted internally within the company I think the other way in that we're going to start seeing more and more is the sales deck use case Um, because often that's the second really important use case that people are thinking about as a business is as we started this whole conversation how do I make great sales materials that are going to win me those first 200 customers and then how do I keep the tracing from there so that those are the two use cases that we're probably like most focused on right now, particularly from a content marketing perspective. Excellent. And getting back to product-led growth, I'm interested to know how you are analyzing when you acquire a user. And I presume most people are acquired into the freemium plan. And then at some point, they're ready to upgrade. And some of them will probably do that in a self-serve way. In other cases, maybe you have a sales team that goes after certain a certain prospects based on the company or maybe the behavior. Are you analyzing any behavior of your freemium base that give you any indication of future lifetime value or whether or not you should invest sales resources, dedicated sales resources to upsell them? Yeah, we are. We're looking at a combination of information about how they interact with the product. So for example, how engaged they are with the product, how many people are engaged within the workspace, And again, going back to that part of our DNA, it's really focused on who's using the tool for collaboration, because that's a sign that, okay, they kind of get it. They're kind of, they're using it in the most effective way, like the way to get the most value from the product. And then we're also overlaying information that's often self-reported. So when you signed up, you will have entered information about the size of your organization and things like that. So we're combining those two those two data sources to work out yeah who's worth uh, picking up the phone to maybe for the sales team and saying hey like seems like you're getting a lot of value out of this if you considered upgrading to pro and sarah can you bring all of that can you bring all of that intelligence up upstream to the point of acquisition and bid 
let's say in Google ads and bid appropriately to the predicted lifetime value based on the propensity to uh, invite invite the first colleague within 10 minutes or uh, or other rich data about geography, company size, industry, or whatever? That's what we're working on. I'd love to be able to tell you that's what we do for every single sign-up. We're not quite there yet. That is the vision. Although one of the debates I'm having with our analytics team actually is whether to go in that direction of like multi-touch attribution or whether to go more for like marketing mix modeling approach in the future, like what our North Star is that we're working towards. And I think, yeah, this is going to sound like a stuck record, but we're all facing these challenges around cookies going away and all of those GDPR and wanting to respect users' privacy and how you balance that against the huge opportunities that are there if you can track back to understand those patterns. On the other hand, I also think that there's there's some danger of that becoming a little bit of an echo chamber. Like early on, you find out, oh, this is the exact profile of what works. And then you double down on that too soon. And then you sort of get caught in that loop. So you've also got to, ba- you've got to balance that doubling down on what works with also finding enough bandwidth to experiment maybe with new, new personas you might go after or... Yeah. Otherwise, it can become self-reinforcing. That's one of my concerns is, yeah, how do we make sure that it's not not self-reinforcing? The data isn't telling us what it's telling us because we have made decisions based on what the data told us last week. You know, it's an interesting challenge. It's also just a logistical challenge with connecting data sources and different analytics tools that we have. I'm working closely with the analytics team to also to prioritize where you know where to put the analytics resource do we focus more on the product analytics side do we focus more on you know acquisition analytics do we focus more on doing a lot of detailed analytics around what causes people to upgrade to pro in any very fast-growing startup you're like constantly making prioritization decisions about what is the most important thing to go after like right now do you all have do you all do cohort-based ltv analysis there Yes, we have done, we do some sort of very high level look at that and trying to optimize that for paid so that we can scale paid marketing and kind of finding that right mix of like, what is the role of paid marketing for us? Particularly how much do we spend on awareness versus performance? That's, I think, getting that balance right and learning as we go along is a big priority for this calendar. And I think that there's also always a still a place for the art side of it, for the because a brand is still really important, arguably even more important. So it's not just the performance. It's also how much you're spending on awareness. What is that multi-touch mix that really works, right? I think if you are only looking at last touch, you're only getting such a small part of the puzzle. Like I think a lot of people switch off their performance marketing because, oh, like the LTV to CAC doesn't make sense. But then you switch it off for two months and you notice your organic traffic has gone down. Like, I wonder why that happened. You know, yeah, so yeah, and people um, stop searching for your brand. Yeah, exactly. So I, you know, but that's why it's fun is because of because of that complexity and the fact that there is no right answer. I think I've had so many conversations with people on my t- team over the years where you do a big piece of analysis in order to make a, a big business decision, like whether we should invest in a certain channel in the coming year, something like that. And at the end of the meeting, they just go, "Oh, I don't feel, I don't feel like we've really reached any conclusion at all, despite having done all of these spreadsheets." And I'm like, "Yeah." I honestly think analytics never gives you the answer. It just gives you the ability to ask better questions. And I think if you approach it from that perspective, then 
it's more exciting than demotivating, which, you know, for people who just want to get to the hard and fast answer, that can be frustrating. Whereas I prefer to think about it as an exciting challenge. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more that if it was simple, it wouldn't be nearly this interesting. And I think what's, what motivates me a lot in our team and and, and, uh, probably your team too, is really, what is the next question that we need to ask? The data is not necessarily giving us the black and white answer, but it's suggesting what's our next test or what is the next big question or what's the next hypothesis? Yeah. And then it's really, it's never ending from there. Yeah. Well, this has been fantastic. Uh, Sarah, was there something that I didn't ask you that you wanted me to ask, or is there something that you believe would be helpful for our audience to know? I mean, I would just encourage everyone to go and play around with pitch. Obviously, I'm going to say that. Uh, If you use presentations in your job, which I'm sure absolutely everybody who's listening to this does, go and check it out. It's free. We'd love to hear your feedback. We hope that you'll have the experience that a lot of our users have of jumping in and playing around with one of our templates and just having this immediate rush of joy, like, oh, this is how easy it could be. I wouldn't have to face that blank slide every time. I wouldn't need to start from scratch. And it's just intuitive and it's easy and it's beautiful and it make it allows me to create beautiful slides even though I'm not a designer. So yeah, I just love people to go and, and play around with it. We've actually got a campaign going on right now, which maybe some of the people listening and viewing can take part in called Pitch Yourself, where we've provided a whole bunch of templates for people to go and think about how they pitch themselves, right? We've got Valentine's Day coming up next week. So we want to lean into that idea of putting yourself out there and self-love and thinking about what you stand for. So it's not just for freelancers. Maybe it's you're introducing yourself to a new boss or you're starting a new job and you want to kind of set out your stool and explain to your new colleagues like who you are and what you stand for. Or maybe you are a freelancer and you are you actually would be useful to you to have that pitch deck document that you could send out to prospective customers kind of explaining who you are. So yeah, check that out on our socials. We've got some really cool creators giving examples of how they pitch themselves and some tips on how to pitch yourself. And then you can upload your personal pitch decks and we'll be celebrating some of the best examples on our gallery. So that's awesome. Thanks Thanks for sharing, Sarah. And I think it's a great example of building a community. It was a, a whole topic that we didn't have time for today, but I think what you're doing on the community side is great. And for those of you who, are, who may still be wondering, it's pitch.com. So that's right. Awesome domain. Easy by the to way. find. <laughs> Easy to find. <laughs> yeah. And where can people find you online, Sarah? Where's the best so they place? Can find me, they can find me on LinkedIn. They can find me on Twitter. Those are probably the two best places. Pitch also has great social channels. Check us out on Instagram to see some really beautiful slides. Instagram's great for showing off visuals. And also on Twitter and LinkedIn. So yeah, if anyone's interested, please do ping me. would love to continue the conversation. Great. Thanks so much for being with me today, Sarah. I really enjoyed this a lot. I think we could have gone on another hour, but I'll let you get back to work. Thanks a lot. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you for having me, Paris. Another great episode in the books. Hope you enjoyed it. If you want to get notified when future episodes drop, be sure to subscribe to Paris Talks Marketing on your favorite podcast player. And to learn more about our growth marketing agency, visit hop.online. That's hop, H-O-P dot online. Have a great day.